0: Well, the NFL playoffs have started, and I know some of you don't, you don't care. Like you're like uh, Mary Beth; she's go sports, right? And uh, but uh, they have started, and and when the teams get on the field for the NFL playoffs and the games that are going on today, I can tell you this: they all want to be in the zone, and uh, the zone is a state of being in which an athlete is pre- performing at. His or her very best when they are utilizing their unique talents to the best of their ability when it matters the most. And when athletes are in the zone. Mind and body and spirit are all in sync. They execute with excellence and efficiency and precision. Their eyes are, are ablaze with confidence and their opponents wither under their unrelenting assault. An athlete in the zone is almost unstoppable. And when an entire team is in the zone, they are vi- virtually unbeatable. But, but here's what I want you to understand today. Being in the zone isn't just an athletic phenomenon. It's something that is desirable in almost every human endeavor. When an artist is in the zone, he or she sees nothing but the subject and the canvas and with deft strokes of the brush, brings that image to life. When a surgeon is in the zone, he he or she can stand for hours at the operating table performing intricate and delicate procedures with no margin for error. When an actor is in the zone, he or she becomes the character that they are playing. When, and this will relate to some in the younger generation. When a video game player is in the zone, he is no longer on the couch just pushing buttons. Well, he really is. But, but he's in the maze or he's on the field living whatever adventure is playing out on the screen. To be in the zone is to be at your very best when it's needed the most. To be in the zone is, is to be using your skills and talents to their maximum potential. And it's not just a great way to play a game or to do a job or to create a work of art. It's, it's the way God would have us to live if we want our lives to count. We've been talking about this series. In the, this, we started last week this series called A Life That Counts. And a life that counts is a life that adds up to something special when it's all said and done. A life that counts is a life that makes an eternal difference in this world and in the lives of of other people around us. And isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we all want as we make our way through this world? We want to do more than just float through life and enjoy the scenery. We want to do something. We want to make a difference. We want someone or something to be better off because we passed this way. We want our lives to count. Can I get an amen? In order to make our lives count, we have to become faithful stewards of the resources God has placed in our hands. In this series... Is a stewardship series, uh, and, and and as we mentioned before, sometimes we hear stewardship, we automatically think of money. That's only one part of it. It's a very, it's actually just one section of our life. It's one part. And so far, we've talked about being stewards of our time. Last week, we 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 talked about how if we want to make our lives count, we have to number our days, and we have to make the most of every day that God gives, gives us. And I hope that you've been living that way this week, that you've been waking up and saying, God, today is a gift from you. I don't want to waste this day. Help me to use it for your glory. And this morning, we're going to be talking about our talents. We're going to be talking about our gifts. If we want our, our lives to count, we have to use our God-given gifts to their maximum potential. In other words, we want to be living in the zone. In order to learn how, what that means, I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 7 through 11. This is what uh, Peter writes here. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now this letter, 1 Peter, was written by the Apostle Peter to the Christians who had been scattered uh, into the pagan Roman, Roman territories of Asia Minor, which we know now today as Turkey, and as followers of Christ in a pagan culture, they often felt like aliens and strangers. Anybody ever felt like that in this world? You ever feel like you don't, just don't belong, that you just don't fit in? Let me tell you something, if you're a follower of Christ, that's normal. And, and so they felt like this. They often felt like aliens and strangers. But what Peter was challenging them here, and the same is true for us, is he challenged them to be deliberate strangers, to live such good lives among the people around them that that the people would see their good works and see that there's something different about their lives and that they themselves would then be ready to meet God on on the day he drew near. In other words, he wanted them to live lives that counted. And in this passage, he, he gives us three qualities that enable a person to live in the zone. The first one is this, focus on your strengths focus on your strengths. When you're when you're in the zone, you're operating in the area of your giftedness, utilizing uh, your 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 very best skills or your talents. Focusing on your strengths is essential to getting in and staying in the zone. You know, if a surgeon has to prep the patient for, for, for a surgery and then has to supervise the anesthesia or has to sterilize all the instruments, that means that his or her talents and energy are being spent on things that have to get done. There's no question those things have to get done, but those are not his area of, uh, or of strength or his area of expertise. Going back to football. And if you're a football fan, you, you, you know the name Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. But I can tell you this, he's a great quarterback, but you don't want Aaron Rodgers playing linebacker. You don't want him back there. He's a smart guy. He's, he's a good athlete. He'd certainly work hard at it, but it would be a waste of his talents. He wouldn't be a very effective linebacker because his gifts are suited to being a quarterback. So, so playing back, a linebacker, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be satisfying for him, and it wouldn't allow him to make his maximum contribution to the team. And in the same way, I want you to understand this. If you want your life to count, you have to identify your gifts and your strengths, and then you have to focus on developing those things and using them for the kingdom of God. This is what a lot of us have missed in the church today because church has become too much like a spectator sport. You know, uh, you talk about professional football. A uh, professional football game is, is, is about 80,000 uh, fans who are desperately in need of exercise watching 22 men who are desperately in need of rest. <laughs> but, but if we want to make a difference, we have to know how God has gifted us and then make a choice to say, you know what? It is not about just coming and listening to a message or listening to a teacher. There's something he wants me to do. There's a reason he gave me these gifts and these talents. And I've got to develop them and use them. And he, Peter reminds us that each one of us has been given a unique combination of gifts and abilities by God to do his work in this world. And so th- those of you who are saying, oh, I don't have any gifts. Listen to what he says. Verse 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Notice he's saying that each one has received gifts. Now Peter's referring primarily to what we call spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts are special abilities that God gives to each of His followers to contribute to the life and the mission of the church. And the New Testament lists about about 21 of them or so. And it's hard to say because no particular list is, is exhaustive. And, and if you want more about that, if you'd like to hear more, we did a, a, a Bible study, a series on spiritual gifts. It's on our website, RestorationLifeChurch.tv. It's only in the audio portion. It was before we started videotaping the messages. But you can learn more about that. And some of the examples of those gifts are things like uh, God gives some people gift of hospitality. Anybody ever known somebody had a gift of hospitality? It's sort of an obvious one. He gives some people gift of serving. He gives some people uh, a gift of giving, where they're able to give beyond above beyond what other people seem to be able to give. And he gives some people gift of faith. There's all kinds of different gifts there, but but each one of us has at least one gift, but probably more, probably at least two or three that enable us to play a very particular and very important role in the church. And God gives us these gifts, not so that we can sit around saying, look how gifted I am, everybody, pay attention to me, I'm gifted here. But He gives us these gifts to make a kingdom impact on the world around us. You are gifted for a reason, you are gifted to make Christ known in the world around you. And when we operate within those gifts, when when we're able to focus our time and energy on using those gifts to the best of our ability, then I'm here to tell you, God does something supernatural and the impact is supernatural. You know, Billy Graham passed away not too long ago, but when Billy Graham was sharing the good news of Christ to a stadium full of of people who were were there, he, he was in the zone. The results were supernatural beyond what they would be if anyone else were there on the platform because that was his gift. He identified it a long time ago and and he made a strategic decision to operate within his zone of effectiveness and to stay there for his whole life. That's why he never pastored a church, though I'm sure he would have been a, a better than average pastor. I'm sure he'd have been very good at that. But, but he never did that. He, he never joined a seminary faculty as a professor of evangelism, though I have no doubt that, that, uh, that, that students would uh, have learned a lot from him. And I'm not saying he certainly participated in educating in that way, but he never made that his, his main focus. But it was that focus that, that enabled him to preach the good news to more people more effectively than any other person I know of in history. As far as i know he has preached to more he preached to more people over his lifetime than anybody else that i've ever read of or heard of your gifts now your your gifts are not the same as billy graham's right you understand that i understand that mine are not however each of us has been been, has been entrusted with gifts and talents for doing god's work in the world and we need to identify our gifts and use them In, in, in addition to our spiritual gifts though we also have other personal resources God has entrusted to us. For example, these are not spiritual gifts, but they are gifts from God. They are talents. We all have different natural talents, right? Some have musical talents. We heard some of those this morning, and we were blessed by them using their musical talents. Some have artistic talents like my wife and my daughters. They can, they're so talented in what they can draw me you know, if I try a stick figure, it's not going to be straight. Can anybody else like me, you know what I'm talking about? Some have mechanical skills. Some have carpentry skills. Some are, just have an aptitude for working with their hands. Others have an aptitude for working with numbers or words or computers or, or they're just really good with people. Some people have cooking talents. Can I get a praise the Lord? I'm very grateful for those who are, who are gifted cooks. Not me. I like to cook, but i got to have a recipe. Anybody? I'm, that's me. But some of you people, you don't know how to give out a recipe because you say, well, you just put a little of this and a little of that and a little of this and do it till it tastes right. And I'm like, that is no help to me at all. <laughs> and it uh, makes me want to say I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. But, but I, I resist that when you do that. But you know what? We all have different nat- natural talents, don't we? You know what we do sometimes? not just with spiritual gifts but also with our talents. We sit around saying, "Man, if I could do what if I could sing like Beth, boy, then I could do something for God." Well, you know what? Here's the thing. God needed people with other talents besides what she's got. If we all sang, then who would be sitting around listening? <laughs> right? We all have different natural talents. We also all have different life experiences. And this is something we don't think about that these are gifts from God. These are Things that make us unique, uh, uniquely who we are, and you've all we all of us have walked through different experiences in life. Maybe you've maybe you've had to overcome some serious health issues, or maybe you've lived through a divorce, or maybe you've lost a loved one. Your, your life experiences, whatever you've been through, good and bad, but particularly the difficult times. Those things enable you to come alongside people who are walking through similar circumstances and offer wisdom and comfort and help you have been there so you know what they're going through and you're able to offer a comfort to them like nobody else can offer so you have these life experiences that god wants to use and you can open up your life and you can teach people what you've learned through your life experiences the the next one is we also have different professional skills right like maybe you've been trained as an accountant i have not <laughs> That's not something that appeals to me. Some people, you know, for the accountant that's passionate about keeping books, that's wonderful. Maybe you're a programmer. Maybe you're an educator. Maybe you're a trained auto mechanic. Did you know God can use those kind of skills Uh, to touch the lives around you. Maybe you're a carpenter. God can use your professional skills to help build His church. Whatever it is that you you can do, whatever talent, uh, uh, whatever area in which you've been trained, you can turn that and use that to build the kingdom if you choose to. See, here's what I want you to understand, and this is kind of the underlying idea behind all of this. Stewardship is not just about tithing on your income. Stewardship means leveraging all of your God-given resources for the advance of the kingdom. That's what stewardship is. It's looking at my life and saying, what are the resources that God has given to me, and let me leverage those to the maximum of my ability to make the kingdom grow. For example, a teacher that doesn't take advantage of his or her influence on students or doesn't take advantage of his or her voice in the academic forum, that person is not being a faithful steward no matter how much money he or she is giving. Each one of us has been gifted with a unique set of abilities, experiences, talents, and training, and that enables us to make a difference in the world for God. And we'll have the greatest impact on the world when we discover our areas of strength and we focus on them both in the church and in the world. So the first step in living in the zone is to discover your unique gift mix and focus on using your gifts for God's purposes. Here's the second step. And this is important. Use your gifts with excellence. Use your gifts with excellence. It's not enough to be operating in your area of strength. Being in the zone means that you're doing it well. A musician in the zone isn't just playing the instrument he or she loves, he or she is playing it well, playing it to the best of his or her ability. You know, our musicians this morning, they were offering their very best to God, and that was an act of worship on their part. They weren't up there just saying, well, let me just go through the motions and do it halfway, because that's not how you worship God. You don't worship God halfway. You give him your best. Look at what Peter says about the exercise of your gifts in verse 11. He said, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's interesting about Peter in addressing this. Rather than listing 20 different gifts, Peter, what he does, he sort of identifies two categories of gifts. He calls speaking and serving. We might call them upfront gifts and behind-the-scenes gifts. And that's really what they all break down to. And, and here's the, the reality is that the church and the world need both kinds of people. We need both kinds of people. Whatever you gift, wherever you serve, you should give it your best. Ver, look, he said in verse 11, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Did you, did you hear that, Sunday school teachers? Did you hear that small group leaders? Did you hear that worship leaders, children's workers, youth staff? When you stand in front of a class, when you sit in a circle in somebody's living room or you sit beside someone and offer words of counsel, be aware aware of the fact that you are speaking on God's behalf and that thought should be both thrilling and terrifying. Because that means I must be careful with what I say kind of goes back to what we talked about Wednesday night in our study in James when we talked about taming the tongue. He talked to teachers and we have to realize, man, I am, I am here representing the very words of God. I need to take this very seriously. I need to study hard. I need to be prepared. I need to offer my best to this because this, this is God's word. The same is true for those serving behind, with the serving gifts who do their best work behind the scenes. One's out of the limelight. Verse 11, the second part says, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. Listen, that means if your ministry is serving coffee, if your ministry is holding babies in the nursery, if your ministry is greeting or ushering or or running audiovisual equipment, he's saying, listen, you should seek God's anointing for that ministry. You ever thought about that? Well, I'm just holding babies in the nursery. I don't need to God. Yes, you need God's anointing for that. You need God's anointing for whatever it is you're doing. If you're you're just standing at the door greeting people, you need the Spirit of God resting upon your life. You need to be prepared. It's that important. You should be on time for whatever your ministry is. You should be on time, fully prepared, attentive, and prayed up in advance of that service. It is that important. That's what it takes to be excellent, to offer your very best to God. You know, I mentioned greeting. You need an anointing from God when you're standing at the door, greeting people as they come in because listen we know greeting is not a high profile type of ministry nobody stands up and says you know in church and says everybody look at the greeters but you know what our, our greeters are often the very first personal contact people have with restoration life church before they get all the way in the sanctuary to hear someone sing or preach or, or pray the greeters touch their lives from the very beginning. That, that means that for some people who are seeking answers, who are looking for answers in their life, their first encounter on the way to meeting Christ will be with one of our greeters. Let me tell you, they better be in the zone. They'd better be filled with the Spirit for that moment because they're having an impact on what, good, what God could do that whole service in their life. We want you to, to, to identify your unique set of kingdom-building gifts. And, and, and let me tell you something. I know, and, there, and I guess there's some value to them. They have all these gifts uh, tests out there, and you can take them online, that sort of thing. But let me tell you something. The best way for you to, for you to discover your gifts is to get involved in ministry. Without question, because because the problem with the gift test is they say, do you like this? Do you enjoy that? Well, there are times when I have thought to myself before I did something, I'm going to hate this. Anybody ever done something before you did it and you said, I'm going to hate this? You've never experienced it. You've never done it. You say, I'm going to hate this. And then you do it and afterwards you're like, man, that was awesome. That's the problem with them because it says, do you enjoy this? Well, if you've never tried it, you don't know if you enjoyed it right? How many of you have uh, ever watched your children, like little two and three year old kids that you put something in front of them and they don't even taste it and they say, I don't like that. (laughs) And then you're like, first of all, you're like, well, you had it yesterday and you loved it. Eat your food, right? Or or you're like, you have never tasted this before. You don't know if you like it until you taste it. No, I don't like it. That's how we are sometimes. But listen, if you want to find your gifts and your abilities and your talents, the best way for you to do it is to try things, to try serving. So if you say, you know what, I want to, I want to try being a greeter. And if you get back there and you realize, man, I freeze up every time somebody walks in the door, you suddenly realize, okay, that's not the ministry for me. But you but you don't know that till you try it. You may say, Oh oh man, I I just don't know about kids. Then you get in and you begin to serve and you help Pastor Jason. You come alongside him and you serve those kids and all of a sudden, God just grabs your heart. He wraps your heart in love with these for these children and you realize, man, I have been missing my calling for a long time. Or maybe it's some other ministry. Maybe it's behind the scenes. Maybe it's it's the, the satisfaction you, you get when you come into a building and you know that you are part of making the building clean and getting it ready so that people won't be distracted distracted when they come into the house of the Lord and and you realize, man, this is so fulfilling to me. I don't care what it is. You need to get involved, begin to serve, find something to do. And if you try something and it doesn't work out, we'll let you plug in someplace else because that's how you're going to discover what your gifts are. Far better than any other, any test you'll take. And so we want you to find it and we want to help you maximize your God-given potential to teach or to counsel or to lead or to greet or whatever it may be. Living in the zone requires focus and excellence. But there's one more quality that's essential to living in the zone and it's a little more elusive than the other two, but it's absolutely essential to peak performance. And this is the one that really grabbed my heart this week in preparation. To live in the zone. We must live with intensity. We must live with intensity. If you've ever looked in the eyes of an athlete in the zone, you'll know what I'm talking about. When an athlete is in the zone, it's as though nothing exists beyond what's happening on the field. They are fully in the moment. There's no distraction. There's no letdown. There's no holding back. And nothing else matters. To be in the zone is to be Fully engaged in the task at hand. Living life with intensity is essential to living a life that counts. Look at what Peter said, the very first line of chapter, of chapter 4, verse 7. This, is, this, is, this line grabs me every time I read it. The end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. Now, what did he mean by that? Did he mean Christ could return at any moment? Or did he mean that the world could come to an end at any time? Yes, that's exactly what he meant. All the early believers lived with a sense of expectancy about Christ's return. And that brought urgency and intensity into their everyday lives. Every day mattered. Every decision they made had eternal consequences. Any amount of money they spent on themselves was that much less that they could give to the poor. Any amount of money they spent on themselves was that much less that they could invest in reaching lost people. Were they wrong to live with that kind of expectancy? Because obviously, Christ hasn't returned and here we are thousands of years later. Were they wrong to live with that kind of expectancy? No. That's exactly how Christ's followers are supposed to live even today, even after more than 2,000 years of waiting. We're to live as if the end is near. He didn't say when he was coming. He just said, I'm coming soon. The problem with that is his idea of soon is a little different than our idea of soon, right? Really, that word... The better translation, it it soon means any time. It means suddenly. It means unexpectedly, like a thief. And since you don't know when a thief will will strike, what do you do? You prepare for it and you lock the door every night. In the same way, since we don't know when when the end will come, we should live every day like it could be our last. We don't do that. Now, I'm not saying don't plan for the future. I'm not saying don't, you know, save for retirement. I'm saying plan like you're going to live forever, but live like like today is your last day. Since we don't know when Jesus will return, we should live every day like we are running out of time because we are. If you're going to use your God-given gifts in service to others, use them now use them now today not tomorrow not next year not when your kids get out of school not when your kids are older not when work slows down not when you retire now today this moment that's intensity saying i've got this day i'm going to serve god this day i'm going to use my gifts this day right now to the best of my ability when peter says the end is near he's He's just simply reminding us, time is running out. I've shared before a good friend of mine, he's gone on to be the Lord, with the Lord now, but he was a missionary and evangelist for years. His name was Dwayne Jones. He was out of the Oklahoma district. And, and he, was just a, he was just an unbelievable communicator. But I remember one time he came to, to preach for me when we were pastoring in Reno, Nevada. And He came in on Saturday. And Saturday night, I took him to get uh, dinner And we were sitting in the restaurant. It was just Dwayne and myself. And we were just talking about things. And he looked at me and he said something that has stuck with me from that day until now. Because you got to understand, he was used by God to raise more money for missions than probably anybody I've ever met in my life. I mean, he was just gifted because he had a way to communicate the urgency and, the, and what God was doing and helping people to connect with that. And they, say, and they would say, I want to be part of what God's, God's doing. But here's what he told me. Even though that was much of what he did in his ministry, he looked at me and he said, Dave, we're not running out of money. We're running out of time. And I thought, oh my goodness, how true is that? Jesus is coming. The end is near. This could be the last chance for you to tell your kids that you love them and that Christ loves them. This could be your last chance to invite your friends to church. This could be your last chance to give a gift to God's work. This could be your last chance to show kindness to a stranger. This could be the last chance to tell your neighbor about Jesus. This could be the last chance you have to make a difference for the kingdom. You don't know, you don't know that you'll have tomorrow, do you? And if the end is near, if we really believe the end is near, life becomes very, very, Intense. Every conversation is important. Every encounter is an opportunity. Every decision has eternal consequences. I'm going to close with this. John Eldridge, author of Sacred Romance and Wild at Heart and other books, but he tells a story of the universe in four acts. Act 1 goes back to eternity past before time began when the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lived in and loved in perfect community with himself and with the angelic host of heaven but in act 2 Lucifer uh, evil appears Lucifer the prince of heaven re- rebels against G- God almighty and is cast out of heaven along with his demonic minions act 3 opens with the creation of the heavens and the earth Humans are, are being are, uh, human beings were made in the in the image of God uh, to enjoy every good thing in fellowship with God but then the evil one slithers onto the scene and in no time at all the man and women have fallen from, from grace bringing judgment and death upon themselves and the whole human race. But just before all is lost, the king of heaven himself comes to earth in disguise, so to speak, as one of us and rescues humanity at the cost of his own life. And that's where we find ourselves today in the closing moments of act three, awaiting the king's return. And when he does return, That will bring act four, the restoration of all things, a new heaven and a new earth. Eternal life for all who have turned to God in repentance of faith. Eternal death for those who reject his son, Jesus Christ. That is the story into which you and I were born. A story of remarkable love and tragic loss, a cosmic battle between good and evil. A story whose final act is yet to be played in which you and I and every human being spend eternity with God, Or spend eternity without him. And Eldridge finishes this up by asking, what if this story I've just told is true? How should we live? What kind of people ought we be? Well, I'm here to say the story is true. And that makes me want to devote everything I am and all that I have to sharing this story with people who have yet to hear it. yet to believe it i want to wake up every morning and prepare myself for the opportunities and the challenges of the day and then at the end of the day i want to collapse into bed every night having exhausted all of my resources in that day in service to God and in service to others. I want to spend every moment in between in the zone, focusing on my strengths, pursuing excellence in every endeavor, and living with such intensity that people can see the difference in my life. It makes me think of, of uh, Hall of Famer, and, and his name just left me... Uh, 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 but but he was a ho- uh, pro football Hall of Famer who re- who on his in his induction speech to the Hall of Fame he stood up and and he and he said he uh, he said these words he talked about the greatest treasure in the in the, in all of America is not in the banks it's not in Fort Knox but it's in the in the cemeteries of the people who have been buried there. And he he went on and he basically just said this. When all of this is said and done, I don't want to be a person who had a lot of things stored up, who went into the grave and never did anything. He said, when it's all said and done, I want everything to have been poured out. I've said it before, I want to die empty. I want to die empty. I, I don't want to stand before God and, and, and have to say, there was something more I could have done. There's something more I could have given. There was something more that, that could have been said. I don't want to do that. I want to be able to stand before Him and say, Jesus, I've got nothing left because I've already given everything. I poured my whole life out for you. That is a life of intensity. That's a life of stewardship. That's a life that counts. Ask yourself, am I a faithful steward? Am I making the most of my time? And am I using the gifts that God has given me? How has God uniquely gifted you? What spiritual gifts, what life experiences, what natural talents, what professional skills has He placed in your toolbox? And are you using those gifts and talents to the best of your ability, ability recognizing that eternity hangs in the balance for you and for those whom you serve? Is there a sense of urgency that compels you to take advantage of every opportunity? Is there a sense of urgency that compels you to not waste one more day on things that won't matter in the end? Are you living in the zone? And I know we're human beings. I know that we'll fall short. But to say with the help of of the Holy Spirit, with His power in my life, I want to get as close to that as I can. If you want your life to count, you have to use your God-given gifts with a sense of urgency for maximum impact. In other words, I like to say it like this, do all you can with all you have for as long as you can for the kingdom. That's how you live a life that counts. Bow your head with me, Father. I pray lord that this word would be a challenge to us i don't want it to be discouraging i don't want anybody to walk out of here saying oh man i just not i just don't live my life like that lord i instead of that i pray god that you'd help us to realize all that means is that there's a potential for something more all that means is that is that uh, there's something that you have for us that we haven't discovered and instead of living with guilt over what we haven't done lord i pray you'd help us to realize that this message today, this series, this is a wake up call for us to say, Lord, from this moment on, I want to live life differently. I want to live life to the full. I want to, I want to live a life that counts. I want to make every day matter. And I want to live with an intensity that, that, that urges me forward as I use the gifts you've given me to expand the kingdom. And With heads bowed and eyes closed and, and, and you're just, it's just you and God, you've closed yourself in with him. I wonder how many of you would say, Pastor Dave, I just want you to pray for me. Because you know what, this is not a message I could give an altar call and say, okay, come up here and pray and it'll be done. No, not even close. This is a message from the word about how we live our lives. And, and the thing about change for most of us is that most of the time it comes a little bit at a time. But all I'm asking for you today is, how many of you would say, Pastor Dave, I'm willing to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to change my heart. I'm not saying tomorrow you're gonna wake up and be Mother Teresa and you know, give your life to the poor in Calcutta. But I'm saying that starting today with the help of the Holy Spirit, He's going to help you evaluate those things that matter. He's going to help you realize that that you have gifts and talents and abilities and experiences and things that can make a difference. And He's going to help you be motivated and anointed to serve. And if you'd say, Pastor Dave, I'm, I'm willing to let the Holy Spirit change my heart. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right where you are? Yes. Oh, well, they're all over that place. You know, there's nothing, we can't even begin to imagine what God will do with an available heart. See, that's what God's looking for. He's not looking for your ability. He's not looking for those who have great ability. He's looking for people who have great availability. Because he's already got enough ability for everything. He doesn't need yours. He just wants to know if you're available for him to use you and with a heart like that where you say i'm i'm open to the holy spirit to let him change my heart that's all he's looking for father you saw every hand you you see the hearts of those that are watching in the live stream and today god we we just make ourselves available we open our hearts to you and we just simply say, Holy Spirit, come and change me. We all know that there are parts of our lives that just are not where they need to be. Maybe stewardship-wise, maybe we're not serving, maybe we're not taking advantage of opportunities, maybe, maybe we're, we're just sitting back and we've turned this thing into a spectator sport, but God, whatever it is, wherever we are, all, all we want to know is, all we want to say is that we're open to you For you to change our hearts and that's what we ask for you to do bit by bit whether whether it's in great leaps or in small steps god just changes use your word help us to see opportunities help us to serve with intensity god help us to realize that we are we are running out of time and that means that today is the day we have to make a difference And I thank you, God, for what you're going to do. I pray, Lord, that as we prepare to leave, that you would bless your people, that you would let us walk in your grace in your favor. And Lord, as we walk out these doors, let us live life with a new intensity that's that's fueled by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we recognize you have put us where we are for a reason. You have gifted us the the way that you have gifted us for a reason. Use us, God. We offer ourselves to you. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.